Good morning. Did y'all have a good week? We had a great week at the Wolf House. Thanks, that might roll off, and that won't sound good, especially if it got turned on. Anyway, wow, we are at the end of our fast. We're at the end of our Daniel fast. This has been an incredible four weeks. I have thoroughly enjoyed being able to bring the word to you for the last, actually, I've had five Sundays in a row. It's gone quick, and it's gone fast, and it's it's been good. It's been really good, and I'm so excited about what God has for us today. And uh, um, I just want, let's just take a moment, because coming into tonight, uh, to, uh, this morning's uh, sermon, I just want to take a minute and just let the Spirit of God drop, because if, if he doesn't speak this word to you, it's not going to be very good, because it's just going to be me, and that's not cool. But I want the Spirit of the Lord to just drop. I want some changes to happen in us, because this is a little bit different of a sermon. It's a little bit different than what I had completely imagined for the build-up sermon for the end of the Daniel fast. Um, So would you all with me just close your eyes right now and just maybe lift a hand up to the Lord and just say, Father, say, Father, with me, say, Father, we want to hear from you today. Make your spirit known to me today. Let these not be words. Let these not be concepts. Please let these things be your spirit in mine. Father, I lay myself down right now. I no longer live, but you live in me. Change the way I have seen life the entire lifetime. Make it be you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So if you've missed any of the sermons over the last couple of weeks, I really encourage you to either go online and watch them because they've been really fun or grab a CD back there. Uh, It'd be fantastic. But today, once again, is our final ending. And uh, I just... Uh, just for the sake of reminder, I don't know if you remember, a few weeks ago we spoke on repentance. That was the first week of our fast. And, and we spent our first week with a heart of repentance, a heart, a place of, of bowing our knee, of, of bending our neck, and, and, and coming to a place of, of repentance not only for our own sins, but for the sins of our family, the sins of, of our generation, the sins of our city, and, and all of that kind of thing. And it was very, very powerful, and, and it was a great week as far as I was concerned in my prayer time, just coming to the Lord with a a humility, a sense of humility, a sense of awe of who God is and who I am. The next week we talked about consecration. We talked about laying our agenda down and allowing God to work through us. That consecration is something that doesn't happen just once. We, we read in the book of, um, of Deuteronomy that God called the people of, of Israel to consecrate themselves as they were getting ready to cross over the river Jordan. And then two chapters later they had blown it. And so God said, consecrate yourself. Consecration is something that we do on a constant basis. It's, it's laying aside our earthly desires and, and laying, making his be number one. Last week we spoke on st- being strong and courageous. And I sent you out here with an obstinate spirit for the things of God. Amen? How many of you have had a great week just walking in strength and in courage, being able to step out and to do the things that God's called you to do? Amen? Well, this week, this week, to to wrap up our fast and to send us into our week of the summit and then into 2016, because really what this has been about is setting you up for a great year. 
I don't want another normal year. Who wants a normal year? I do not want a normal year. I tricked some of you. You're like, yeah, because <laughs> I rose, raised my hand. But I don't want a normal year. I don't, I don't, I don't. I fight against normal. I am not normal. I am a child of God. Amen? And uh, so this year is going to be set apart. And some of you, I just want to just, in, just infuse into your heart the desire for 2016. So to wrap it up here today, we are going to speak on peace. Peace. I was kind of thinking a little bit more, you know, like something bangy, something really big and something like that. But God said peace. I said, okay. So when I say the word peace, what do you think? Do you think Zen? Do you think yoga? You think uh, a beautiful garden with little birds chirping? Peace. Do you think, you know, like 60s, like woo? Okay, so last night I was with Sterling and uh, we were sitting there and decided we were going to maybe watch a movie, you know, like what? Why not? So I did not fast movies, hallelujah. But actually, I don't watch them very much. So we started going, and uh, there was a movie, Field of Dreams. Anybody watch that game, that movie? I had never seen it. Actually, I, it was not my most favorite thing, but it was all about the 60s, and I was like, oh, my word. <laughs> wrong piece, okay? Wrong piece. Wrong piece. But uh, uh, I just, I want you to get a new view of what peace is. Because if we will have the correct view of what peace is, it will absolutely revolutionize your life and your approach to this coming year. It will absolutely turn you upside down. So let's get into this. Peace. Peace is going to become one of your most powerful weapons. Peace. Let's turn to Judges, if you would. And uh, let's look at a story in the Bible. You know me, I like stories. Judges. We find in Judges chapter 7 that Israel has once again found itself in trouble. Israel has a propensity to find itself into trouble. So in, in uh, Judges chapter 7, we've got Israel, who had just been delivered from all sorts of things, finds themselves once again in trouble. Somebody say trouble. This time it's with the Midianites. The Midianites are coming in every year about the time that the harvest comes through, and they just come trouncing in, destroying all the crops, taking all the food, killing all the animals, and then going out, going away. So then the Israelites are left for the remainder of the year to try to make it through with nothing. So after this has gone on for seven long years, they don't have anything by now. Very little. And they're crying out to God, God, help us, help us, we need help. They find themselves in incredible amounts of distress. And God calls a man named Gideon. And he comes to Gideon in the wine press. So uh, Gideon finds some wheat And he carries it to the wine press. Why does he go to the wine press instead of the threshing floor? So he's in the wrong place. The reason being is that it was a place to hide. So he's there and he's he's threshing wheat in the wine press. And I want you guys to open, and we'll get started here at verse, um, actually verse, uh, chapter 6, I'm sorry. Chapter 6, and we're going to start at verse 11, right here. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Ophrah and that belonged to Joash the Abizarite. 
where the son of jo- Gideon, where his son, sorry, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Are you kidding me? I'm hiding, scared to death. God calls him a mighty warrior. But sir, Gideon replies, see how polite he is. But sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when, when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and, now, and he's put us into the hands of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have. Now that in and of itself is a sermon right there. Go in the strength that you have. In other words, you don't need anything more. You've got me. Go in the strength that you have. And save Israel out of the Midian's hand, out of Midian's hands. I am not, am I not sending you? But Lord Gideon said, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. And the Lord said, I will be with you. You will strike down all the Midianites together. Verse 17, Gideon replied, now if I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat, and from an ephah of flour he made bread without yeast, putting the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot, he brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of the Lord said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and place them on the rock and pour out the broth. So Gideon did so. And with the tip of his staff that was in his hand, the angel of the Lord touched the meat and unleavened bread and fire flared from the rock and consumed the meat and the bread. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. Then Gideon realized. Somebody hit palm to forehead right there. (laughs) Then when Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Ah! Sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Now, just a moment. Pause right here. Think of everything that's going through his brain. What has he just done? He has had a conversation with the angel of the Lord, and he's wrangled with him. He's like having a downright quarrel with the angel of the Lord. Oh, yeah, right. I am a, you know, I am a, a mighty warrior. Are you kidding me? You know, where is this? But, sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? He's, he's wrangling with the angel of the Lord. How many of you have wrangled with the spirit of the Lord? Ah, oh, sovereign Lord, I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, peace. Do not be afraid. You're not going to die. Peace. He didn't say strength, power, victory. It's all going to go away. Yeah. He didn't do that. He said peace. Why didn't he give Gideon a better word? Why didn't he give Gideon like the strategy and, and, and weapons? And He gave him peace. Peace. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it the Lord is peace or Jehovah Shalom. This is the first place where God, his name is become pronounced Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. What? Peace? 
No, we don't need peace, God, right now. We need you to come and flex a little muscle. We need victory. We need, you know, a lot of Midianites killed right now. We need a lot of bullets. We need bombs. We need everything like that. We don't need peace. What are you talking about peace? But God knew better. God knew what they needed. Because peace is incredibly powerful. What is peace? Webster says that peace is the absence of strife, disturbance, and violence. The absence of strife, disturbance, and violence. So Webster says if you'll just take away all the bad, you'll have peace. But what God is talking about when he calls himself Jehovah Shalom here, it's not just the absence of everything wrong. It's his presence. There's got to be more. Shalom, shalom. What does shalom mean? Shalom means that everything is paid in full. Have you ever had a bill? Don't raise your hands. Have you ever gone to collections? Don't raise your hand. When you have a bill, and because I know none of you have ever had this situation, but when you have a bill and it's gone to collections, you have anything but peace. They're calling you constantly. They're emailing you. They're knocking on your door. They're sending you. They are pestering. You owe a debt. You have a problem. You are unsettled. You, you, you. And when that debt is paid, you now have peace. Right? Shalom means everything is settled. Everything is paid. All of your debts, all that you owe has now been settled. And now you can be in peace. It also means a second thing. It means completely whole as things should be. Peace. Everybody say shalom peace. It is far more than just the absence of everything bad. God, shalom, God, peace transcends all earthly things. It was the peace of God that allowed the early church martyrs to walk out on the sands of that Colosseum facing lions Facing the fact that their flesh was about ready to be torn to pieces. It was the shalom peace of God that allowed them to walk out onto the sands of that Colosseum and stand there and praise God while the lions were being released. There is a story, and that peace, that ability for them to stand in the midst of what I would say is the worst, the most ultimate trial a human is asked to face. Would you agree? That peace, that peace, that ability, that that inner, uh, that that they carried, at that point they didn't need to be a mighty warrior. They needed the shalom peace of God. 
And that peace transformed everyone watching all the time. There's a story of a, a gentleman by the ma- name of Tertullian, and he lived in the early 200s, and he was a young man. He was very smart. He'd been educated. He was a lawyer. He was rising up in the ranks of, of the Roman culture there, and he was becoming great. He was also very typical of the Roman young, young adult culture. He was very active sexually. He was very, very sensual and, and crazy and wild. He was right out there with all of the best of them. And he had gone to the games one particular day, and he was watching gladiators and watching all of that. And in between, they would entertain the guests with the Christians. And he was sitting there just enjoying his life, and a Christian walked out, and it caught his eye. And the thing that caught his eye the most was the peace and the strength and the courage of that person walking out. And he was dumbfounded. He was moved. There was nothing in his life to base that kind of peace on. Every time he was faced with something, it rattled him to the core. He did not have what that person had. And he watched them die. And he was so moved. He was so moved by the grace and the peace on that person that he gave his life to Christ and he became one of the greatest church fathers known, writing extensively. The peace of God, the shalom peace of God made it possible for a martyr to stand before the lion. It makes, the peace of God is to delineate and demark you from every person around you in your office. You are not supposed to be the same as everyone else. When trouble comes, when frustrations come, you are not to be the same. You are to, be, you are to shine very, very, very differently. And it's the power of shalom inside of your heart that is to be the difference, the demarcation between you and your person that you're with that doesn't know the Lord. John 14, verse 27, is, I think, one of the most powerful, powerful verses. Jesus knows that the next day he is going to hang on a cross. Jesus knows the next day he's going to take lashes. Jesus knows that the next day his life on this earth will end. And he has a three-chapter conversation with the disciples and with his Father in heaven that is the most powerful conversation, I think, in the word. But uh, John 14, verse 27, Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. First of all, I want you to hear something. He did not, once again, he did not leave Courage and strength. I mean, you know, all that stuff too. Might, power, victory. Ah! He left his peace. Peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I want you to see something here. This peace is not just 
peace. It is the very same peace that Jesus walked in. And at this point in time, he looked at his disciples and he knew they were going to have to live life after he left. And he looked at them and he knew that the greatest gift he could give them is his peace. Not the world's peace. Not as the world gives. No, 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 no. No, no, no. People, there's a difference between the world's peace and what Jesus gives. And the peace you are to walk in is the very same peace that Jesus has. That's powerful. That is so, so powerful. Not as the world gives, but it's my peace. The world's peace says that everything has, there can be nothing bad, everything has to be good. That's how, they, that's how the world peace lives. I would venture to say that many, many Christians base their peace on the world's peace. We are only calm and at peace when everything is good and nothing is bad. Listen to me, people. Gauge your own heart. I want today to make something that seems kind of blurred to be very, very clear. Jesus gives his peace. It's not the world's peace. The world's peace is based on the fact that everything is good and nothing is bad. I have met so many Christians that when things start getting a little bumpy, they they lose their peace, they lose their faith, they lose their trust. And I would say to you, if that's shaking you right now, then you are not walking in the shalom peace of God. Go ahead and clap it. Because it's a good one. Because, see, if you can walk in the shalom peace of God, you will never be shaken. And Christian, my Christian friend, today is not a day to be shaken by absolutely anything. This is why peace is so powerful. Because peace, Jesus was about ready. The next day, he was going to go and he was going to stand before mockers, murderers, haters. And he knew. When he stood there, when you read the, the, the Gospels and you read about the crucifixion, I always, I didn't like it very well. I'm like, Jesus, why didn't you like stand up and rat them and, and, you know, correct them? They, they got it wrong. That's not true. Why didn't you defend yourself? Why didn't you do these things? He stood there in peace. And that riled them more than anything. Their peace, their peace. People, I'm asking you, you know what peace is. It's that feeling where everything is set right and, and the, your debts are paid in full and all is well and it is as things are as they should be. That's what peace is. And if that in your mind is based on the fact that nothing bad is happening and everything good is happening, you are basing your peace on the world's system and it will shake you. World's peace does not exist. It is a lie. Since 36 BC, there have been 15,000 wars. After World War II, there was, or before World War II, there was two, an average of 2.6 wars every year started. After World War II, over three new wars start every year. The New York Times has even said that peace is a fable. Because the world peace, based on everything, nothing can be going wrong.
pieces of fable because humanity has underlying issues with God. We are meant to live close with God. We are meant to fit right up next to him. I've talked about this every week. We are meant to be right connected with him. We are meant to be ever so close to him. He is our daddy father. We are his children. We are meant to fit right there. And when we blow it, his grace covers us and we run to him and he pays our debts and it sits, it fits very closely. We are very, very protected in his arms. But when sin separates us, We're away from our Father. We're away from the one that can pay our debt. We're away from the one that can care for us. That we are little and tiny and finite. We start to shake and quake. We start feeling lonely. We start feeling afraid. We feel all sorts of things. God means for us to be close. If you are at enmity with God, you're at enmity with everything. But biblical peace has absolutely nothing with the, to, to do with the absence of good or the presence or absence of bad and presence of good. It's completely unrelated to circumstances. Biblical peace, shalom, has everything to do with a complete right relationship with the God of the universe. All things paid, all things paid in full, all things complete. That's where you stand. And circumstances have nothing to do with that. Cancer has nothing to do with that. Tragedy has nothing to do with that. Facing your own mortality has nothing to do with with all of that. Your place with God and that place, that quiet place, it is almost like a fortress. It is a citadel. It is a place to go to. The peace of God is a place to reside. It's in this peace that Paul can sing in a jail cell. It's the peace of Jesus that allows calm in wildly fearful circumstances, hushes a cry, stills a riot, sings in suffering. It is not a peace because of your circumstance. It is a peace that overrules your circumstance. It is a peace that overrides your circumstance. It is a peace that overturns and overcomes your circumstance. That's powerful. Jesus Personal peace he gives us. Flip over to Philippians. How do you like that? Flip to Philippians. <sighs> Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. And I'm going to start actually at verse 4, if you would. Chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Not just when it's going good. Rejoice in the Lord always. Look at your neighbor and say Always. Even now, right now, rejoice in the Lord. Let the gentleness of your be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but instead, in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace. What? And the peace. You get down on your face and you pray. You give everything to God. And then what he's going to give back to you at that moment is not answers. You get down on your face and you plead and plead and plead for what you know is God's will and you stand up. He's not going to make it happen right then, necessarily. He's going to give you peace. Your job is to stand up from that place with your nose in the carpet, with your crying out, with your desperate needs, and walk away with peace. 
And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. So Christian friend, when you get down on your knees and you pray for what you believe to be something that needs to happen, and you get up from that place, you are not to worry, you're not to think anything, you're to walk away with the peace of God that says, the creator of the universe now is in charge of that thing. And the peace of God that makes absolutely no sense at all. It transcends all understanding. Is now going to what? 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 Guard. Guard. I want you to have a mental image. That your mind, your place where you live, has centuries out front. And those called peace. And peace is supposed to guard your hearts and lives in Christ Jesus peace will. Whenever there's a sentry or a guard out front, think of a military, you know, you're out in the field, maybe it's a revolutionary war or something, that's what I prefer. Um, and they have guards out, right, all through the night, all through the day. What does the guards help uh, make possible for the soldiers inside to do? Sleep. Eat. Eat, yeah, we're thinking Eating. Because of the fast, of course. Security. They can go about their life. They can shine their shoes. They can, you know, fix their gun. They can do the things they need to do because they don't have to worry. They don't have to stand guard. They're not fighting the war. They're being guarded. And I would say to you, people of God, if we can figure out what peace is, the shalom peace of God. And if we can give all of our needs to him in prayer, all of them, not just the easy things, but all of them, think right now, what are your heaviest burdens? Because my guess is is if you are not walking in the shalom peace of God, you are spending 99% of your life thinking about this problem, worrying about this problem, dealing with this problem, concerned about this problem. Amen? Give it to the Lord. Pray your guts out. Don't forget to pray your guts out. Put your nose in that carpet and pray your guts out. And when you get up, walk away in the peace of God so that now you can free your life up to shine your shoes, to get your gun all oiled up, and do the things that you're called to do peace. Do you hear me? I hope you're hearing me. Praise God. Let the understanding of peace just drop down into your heart. Colossians 3. God is good to me. That clock is being good to me. You know it's good. Colossians 3 verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you are called to peace. This is a genius verse. Genius verse. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. I am here to tell you that there's this verse says 
that peace is something you have to allow. You have to let it. You have to let it. The presence of God, the peace of God, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. Foolishness, wickedness is not. Foolishness, wickedness, worries, concerns, fear, all of that are not gentlemanly. They're a little overbearing. They want to come in your life and take over. And you are the one to stand there and say, shut up, I'm going to let this one talk. How many of you are watching the the presidential debates? Don't you wish that at some point somebody would say, shut up and let that one talk? How many of you guys would like to, and the one, <laughs> the one that's doing all the yapping is usually the one that's just like pff, totally, you know, go away. Anybody with me on that one? Okay. Maybe not. I'm sorry to bring politics into the, the church, but I'm not telling you who it is that I'm thinking. But there are times in your life, people of God, children of God. You have to look at yourself and you need to look into your heart and you need to hear the voices and you need to say, shut up. I'm going to allow, let, invite the peace of God to rule in my life. The word rule means umpire. The peace of God needs to be the umpire voice in your life that says, you know what? (sighs) You're out. You're safe. Does that make sense? There's a whole sermon right there because that's how you should lead your life and make decisions is get on your face, your nose in the carpet, give everything to the Lord, stand up and then follow. Let peace be your umpire. Jesus peace. Two thousand sixteen holds great things. But I'll tell you what, every single great thing in front of you is surrounded by a huge, hairy, monstrous challenge. Every single one of them. Every single one of them. And every single one is going to require courage, strength, consecration, and it's going to require you to walk in peace. If we don't have the peace of God, you will be shaken in 2016. And I would say even now, I feel that there are those sitting here because things aren't quite right. Things aren't quite perfect. Your peace is being predicated by your circumstance and you are being shaken. Paul knew this. Paul knew that it isn't about what goes on around him. But it's the, what's going on inside of him that counts. It's the God he served, and nothing could stop him. I want to read to you some very quick scriptures. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four through 29. I know I'm doing a lot of scripture here today. Here's what the circumstances were around Paul. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. That would be 39 for those of you who uh, uh, aren't real good at math. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, danger in the sea, danger by false brothers. I have labored and I have toiled and I have gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. His circumstances were pretty lousy. 
pretty lousy. But he never let it shake his peace. Never let it. He goes on, actually, prior to that, Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4. But we are hard-pressed on every side and not crutched crushed, perplexed and not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down and not destroyed. Jumping down to verse 16 of chapter 4, therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is not seen is eternal. Your peace is rooted and grounded in something far bigger than what you see around you. And I would say, people of God, people of God, 2016 is going to demand you to grow into this truth or you will be lost this year. Gideon faced huge piles of trouble in his day and God revealed him not himself, not as victor, not as mighty man, but as the God of peace, Jehovah Shalom. I don't know what you, your fast was for, but I pray that you will not stop the press no matter what you see. Romans eleven sixteen says, the God of peace. Why does this word keep popping up? The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. The fact that you live in struggle should not matter. What matters is who lives inside of you. Because who lives inside of you will overcome every single struggle you fight and face. And there is a peace right there. John 16, 33. Turn to that because I want you to see those words. I want you to see them. John 16, 33. I have told you these things. This is the end of that conversation I was telling you about earlier. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. The God of peace. The God of peace. I'm telling you what, people. 2016, I don't know what it carries. I don't, I've said this a hundred times. But I do know that it will carry things that has the potential to shake you, to make you wonder, to make you worry, to make you rethink, to, to challenge, yes, band, come on up, to challenge those things that you have thought in your mind were non-negotiables. 
And if you do not discover the difference between the world's peace and the peace that Jesus gives, his own personal peace, this is not just something. This is Jesus' peace that can walk you through anything. And if God forbid, we do not, we have to stand before a lion charging us, ready to rip us to shreds. We can stand there knowing that our God in heaven, the creator of the universe, and I are in peace. We are in alignment and things will be good no matter what. And even when that person, it was an unnamed person, had to lay their life down on the line. They, how, you know I mean? At one point you might stand there and go, this ain't a good God. But because, see, I can't promise you an easy life. I can't promise you everything is going to go well, but I can promise you one thing. His peace wants to live right in the very center of every storm that you have to go through. A tree that is allowed to feel the winds of the hurricanes to feel the, the pounding rain of a flood force uh, situation, who has to, that tree that has to endure freezing and heat and all of that, that, that tree will be strong. That tree will be huge and it will have fruit growing on it because it's grown and it's become something and it's rooted down deep. You take that same tree and you put it in a little greenhouse where nothing touches it and everything's perfect and fine and happy. Woohoo! It's weak. It's weak. It doesn't produce fruit. It's wimpy. It's a nothing. It can't do anything. It is not about the trials and tribulations that we have to face. And never, I don't want you ever to base your peace on what's going on around you. Because if you do, you're going to start questioning the very things that God has allowed in your life to make you. But in the midst of it find his peace in the midst of it know that the creator of the universe is right there with you in the midst of it in the midst of it know 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 that the man the god of this earth this world is going to be crushed under whose feet whoa because i'm getting stronger people of god whose peace do you walk in Whose peace do you walk in? Do you walk in Jesus' peace? Or do you walk in the world's peace? Do you see why now this is the last sermon in this series? Because if you can change your world to walk in the peace of Jesus, things won't rattle you. Let's all stand. I'll stand. We're going to close. God is good to us. Has he changed your world? Hallelujah. Right now, I just want to pray over some people. This word is spoken to someone. We all yearn for peace. Unfortunately, the world makes peace happen by escaping it. Drugs, alcohol, sexual pleasure, whatever. Jesus' peace is a fully 
functioning, fully alert, fully here place that says that he's paid my debt. He provides my every need. He puts breath in my lungs and he gives me purpose. If you struggle with peace in your life, this is not a bad thing. This is a good thing because we're going to get some things settled. If you settle, if you struggle, if there's things happening in your world right now that are robbing your peace, that are just making you shake, come on up really quickly, 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 quickly. Come on up. Let's get some prayer on you. Yes, yes, come on up. Come on up, come on up. Right now, quickly, just quickly. If this word has spoken to you, come, come, come. If you want a better, more strong uh, outpouring of the peace of God in your life, come right now. If you need more peace in your life, come right now. Quickly, quickly, quickly. The band is going to sing this song. Go ahead and and just go ahead and sing. I just want right now, these people, uh, let's get some prayer warriors behind them. Let's get some people up here ministering with them. In Jesus' name, Lord God, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. You are going to just, you're going to rock some worlds. You're going to change. These people are not going to quake in the midst of circumstance this week. In Jesus' name. The rest of you, let's just close our eyes and throw our hands in the air right now and say, Father, in Jesus' name, we yield to your peace in Jesus' name. We let the peace of God reign in our life. We take time right now and we set aside circumstance. We set aside the rocking of the boat. We set aside the struggles and the fights and the problems. Lord God, and we say right now, make us into mighty, mighty, mighty people. God, I say right now that your peace would settle. Your peace would settle upon us, oh, Father, that we would not be shaken in circumstance, but that we would be strengthened in our circumstance, strengthened in our resolve in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's just worship as we go. Hallelujah. Missions team meeting afterwards and all of that. But right now, let's just worship and let the word just soak, just soak our hearts.